Um, but hopefully we, we come away excited, revamped, um, energized about Christ. So some announcements real quick. Uh, we got the Christmas Eve candlelight service at 5 o'clock. Just kidding. It sits in there. So no Christmas Eve candlelight service. Um, Lottie Moon will be collecting an offering, love offering for Lottie Moon Christmas time. Um, I believe we're going to be going, is this last week? Or are we going to go, we'll go one more week. Um, awesome organization. Family Sunday, our next Family Sunday potluck is on January 8th. Um, ladies Bible study will start February 7th, chapter 2. I want to really focus on verses 8 through 14. But we'll read the whole story to get the idea. This is very, everybody probably knows this story, the story about the birth of Jesus Christ. So Luke chapter 2, we'll start in verse 4, and we'll go to verse 20. And it says, And Joseph, Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed, who was with child. And while they were there, the time came for her to give birth. And she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling cloth and laid him in a manger, because there was no place for them in the inn. And in the same region there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those whom he is pleased. When the angels went away from them into the heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in the manger. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that, the saying that had been told uh, them concerning the child. And all who heard it wondered at, wondered at the shepherds who told them. But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told to them. We read this message, and it seems like it becomes so familiar to us. It seems like we know it by heart. We can recite, uh, the, the Christians who have been walking with the Lord for some time can recite this passage. We can recite the Apostles' Creed with ease. When we read this story, it just becomes so familiar to us. And I had to repent because it becomes like our heart is callous to the wondrous work of God that he has done in this story. I don't know how you guys are, but I feel like my heart was callous to this story. Sometimes we get so caught up in the Christmas traditions and the cost of Christmas how much the gift was, how much somebody spent on me or how much I spent on somebody else. Is my gift worthy enough for their approval? But do we sit down and consider heaven's cost? 
Do we sit down and consider the cost that heaven gave up that day that Jesus was born? Jesus left the heights of his glory and descended to the depths of this earth, taking on the form of a man, as the Bible says, a servant. And this is something that we cannot comprehend, the cost, the sacrifice that is in the, in the incarnation of Jesus Christ. This is the greatest story of all time, and we become callous. Our hearts get stirred up with emotion, and we get, on, we get joy when we watch movies like the Avengers or when we watch other types of TV shows, and it seems to stir these emotions in us, but when we read the greatest story of all time, no emotion comes whatsoever. Oh, how we need to repent, church. How I needed to repent that God, give me back the joy that comes with Jesus' birth. What it gives us, the greatest gift ever given to humanity. This is Emmanuel, as Pastor Joe talked about last night. This is Emmanuel, God with us. How much greater of a story, if anybody was ever to write a novel or ever to write a story, this would be the greatest, the greatest peak. This would be the greatest story of all time. Nobody can come up with something better than this. The creator of all the earth, the creator of all the universe, taking on the form of his creation to save it, to redeem it back to himself. Jesus was begotten by the Father from all eternity. He is the exact reflection of the glory of God, being the very image of his person, through whom all things were created, which all things were created for, and who upholds all things in the universe and in all the creation by the word of his power. This is the Jesus who came to the earth, the one that created everything, the one that holds everything together by the word of his power. This is the one who came and took form. This is the one who was born in a manger, in a trough. In the most humble of ways. He didn't come born in a palace and establishing his kingdom. He came and was born amongst the sheep. What a humble king. This is the most amazing story. This single event was supernatural, where heaven met earth. This is another reason why it's so great. This is a supernatural birth. Nobody could ever do this. Why? Within the first couple years of Jesus' life, he fulfills many prophecies. The virgin birth, as we see in Isaiah 7.14. Herod killing the children in Jeremiah 31.15. Egypt, their flee from Egypt to Nazareth. Their flee to Egypt. The Magi, the Magi they quote Micah 5.2. It says, but you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are not the least among the rulers of Judah. For out of you shall come a ruler who is my, pe- who is my shepherd to my people, Israel. Okay, let me give you some some numbers real quick. So these are just, this is a little bit of the prophecies 
that were prophesied from the prophets of old that would have been fulfilled. It is estimated that Jesus has fulfilled over 300 plus messianic prophecies that he has fulfilled through his birth, life, and resurrection. Mathematically speaking, we, got, we have a mathematician right there in the back row, uh, Dallas Lowry right there, okay? He's a math teacher at the high school. But mathematically speaking, the odds of one person fulfilling only eight of these prophecies is one to the 100 quadrillionth. I had to look up what number it was because there were so many zeros I had no idea. And it's quadrillion. That's for eight prophecies. Okay, for 48, one person fulfilling 48 prophecies has one in the tenth to the 157th power. And one person fulfilling 300 prophecies, impossible, only Jesus. This is supernatural. This birth is supernatural. And we just go over it like it's another Christmas story. Yeah, it's all about Jesus. It's all about Jesus. But do we sit and meditate upon the great thing that God has done for us? These shepherds were trembling with fear because they knew something supernatural was happening. The heavens were opened up and angels were singing praise to their king. Their king who is now dwelling amongst men. I cannot imagine, last year I I pondered on this. I cannot imagine the angels who had been with Jesus for all of eternity or since their creation. They see Jesus now come and they're like, he is here. He is with you guys. This is our king. This is our creator. And the shepherds were fearful of the angels. Oh, how we have lost our fear of who Jesus is. This is supernatural, folks. This is Emmanuel, God with us. He is the one who brought light and hope. This is the best story of all. Why don't you turn with me to Isaiah chapter 9. We'll look at another Christmas verse that we just sang in one of the songs. Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6 and 7. Says, For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be on his shoulders, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and of peace there will be no end. And on the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and to uphold it with justice and with righteousness from the time forth and forevermore, the zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. Will you turn back to verse 6, Don, please? Thank you. Those words right there that are being spoken, that have been prophesied hundreds of years before Jesus' birth, they thought that he would come and free them from the bondage of the governments. But there's something a lot more happening. Jesus' kingdom is beyond this physical realm. It is established here, but this kingdom, his governments, that will bring peace and righteousness, that peace that the angels spoke about, we'll get a little bit into that in a little bit, but wonderful counselor, the one who gives 
who gives hope, the one who gives his Holy Spirit to us, his Spirit to guide us, to direct us, who is wonderful. Do we sit and think about wonderful? It is beyond wonder. He is beyond anything that we can comprehend or imagine. Mighty God, El Shabor, the power of God, who has all power, who has all authority, who spoke and it came to existence, who can speak and destroy anything, who upholds the world by his mighty hand, by the word of his power, that's the mighty God. And that is Jesus. Cannot separate the two. Everlasting Father. This does not mean that Jesus is the Father. This means he is everlasting. He is the Father of everlasting. He always has been and he always will be. He is never created and he will never be destroyed. He is the creator of all things. He is not a creation The Prince of Peace, the one who brings peace in our life, the one who brings peace to the world, the one who brings peace to his church, and the one who brings peace between man and God. And we're going to look at those different things. Because the angels, when they spoke to the shepherds, what did they say? Peace on earth, goodwill toward men. Right? On whom the Father is pleased. Let me reread that because I might have misquoted that. Glory to God in the highest on earth. Peace among those whom he is pleased. That's where I want to focus on now. What's this peace? With all the chaos that is happening in our world today, with everything that is going on, how is Jesus' peace happening here and now? How from his birth is there peace? Well, let's look at One thing. Jesus came to bring, we're going to look at three points, okay? Jesus came to bring peace between man and God. In Colossians 1, 20 through 22, it says, And through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. And you who were once alienated and hostile in mind, doing evil things, you were brought back. Right? He has now reconciled in his body of flesh by his death in order to present you holy and blameless and above reproach before him. We were hostile. Hostile. What? Oh man, what's that football quote? Right? We were hostile in our thinking. We we're hostile in our ways to God. We were enemies, the Bible says, to God. But through Jesus Christ, he reconciled us. What does reconciled mean? Apocatolosso is a Greek word. It's a verb, and it's to bring back fully into the former state of harmony, to renew something, to make new. That's what reconciliation is. So to bring us back to, in harmony, in peace with God, through the death of his, on the cross. By his blood, we were reconciled. So there is no separating the birth of Christ from the resurrection and the death on the cross. And because he came, he has reconciled us, brought us back into relationship, into harmony with God the Father. Something that we could not have done on our own 
2 Corinthians 5.18 says, All of this from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. Where in here does it say, Anthony has reconciled you back to God? No, it's by God, from God, for God, and for his glory. And to give you peace with God. 1 John 2, 1 through 2. So he also gives us peace with, our, with God, it says in 1 John 2, 1 through 2. My little children, I am writing these things to you that you may not sin, but if anyone does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. And he is the propitiation for our sins, and not for ours only, but also for the whole sins of the whole world. What does propitiation mean? This is halismas, which means the means of appeasing or an atonement. So he removed the wrath of God that was on us because of our hostile minds, our, uh, uh, because we were enemies of God, and he put his blood on the sins of the world to appease the wrath of God. So he's given us peace through his atonement, through his blood. Oh, praise the Lord, that is awesome. But also, I want to look at some other points. Jesus came to bring peace within ourself and to destroy the works of the devil. As we just read right there, we have something called sin in us, right? That's stirring in us. But he came to conquer that, to free you from that, to give you liberty, to walk in newness, and to destroy the works of the devil. As 1 John 3, 7 through 8 says, says, little children, let no one deceive you. Whoever practices righteousness is righteous, as he is righteous. Whoever makes a practice of sinning is of the devil, for the devil has been sinning from the beginning. The reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the works of the devil. Jesus came and he appeared as a baby so that he could sympathize with us. Hebrews says that he is the great high priest who can sympathize. Even though he overcame sin, he can sympathize when we're going through temptation. When we're going through the struggles of life. But he also appeared because he was destroying the works of the devil. You know, we are referenced in the Bible as sons of the devil. In our flesh. Right? Jesus refers to the Pharisees as your father is the devil. Ephesians talks about this as well. But he came to destroy the works of the devil, to free us from sin, from the bondage of sin that captivates each and every one of us. So there's two purposes to this Christmas. Rather, is that the payment once 
made for all of our sins is the freedom and power that enables us to fight sin, not as legalists earning our salvation and not as fearful of losing our salvation, but as victors to throw ourselves into the battle against sin with confidence and joy, even if it costs us our life. That's what Jesus comes to do. To give us victory. To destroy the devil. Destroy his works. And to give us hope and light. Sorry kids, I'm boring you. I'm, one last point. One last point. Jesus came to bring peace to the world through him and his kingdom. We see what's happening in the world today. Guess what? There will be peace. There will be peace in Syria. There will be peace in America. There will be peace in Iran. There will be peace in Russia and Ukraine. When he comes back and reigns again, he promises that there will be peace. There's going to be peace in heaven. We may go through struggles in this life now, but count it all joy, brothers. For God is working in you. But he's bringing peace to all mankind. And for what? For his glory. As the angels said, glory to God in the highest. For his glory. For us to return to him. To love him. To adore him. To know him. To praise him. To honor him. To worship him. And to make him known. How wonderful of a God we have. So as we go on through the rest of our Christmas day, let us sit and meditate on the goodness of Jesus, of the goodness of God, and the great cost and the great sacrifice that he made to reconcile us back to him. Amen? Okay, short, sweet, to the point. Hope you guys are fired up, ready to take on the gates of hell now. Yeah? All right, let's pray. We'll close. Father,